in the year of our Lord, 2020, All Saints' Day falls on a Sunday, and that somehow seems auspicious in a year when so many more of us than usual have lost people we love, or been unable to uh, bury them, or been unable to mourn, or when hundreds of thousands who we knew not have died of the coronavirus, and when we also mourn those who have died at the hands of police forces throughout the country, even as we support those who give themselves to law enforcement. I was able to bury my father, John Michael Hoare, before the pandemic hit, and I was able to travel, and I feel extraordinarily grateful um, for that. In a little while, we'll remember those who have been buried, remember by name those who have been buried uh, from St. Albans in the year past. There are many other names of those we have lost printed in our bulletin. And if it's not your practice to print out the bulletin, I hope you will at least open it and read through those names and say a prayer for those who mourn and for those who have died on this day. There's a tradition that goes back to the 10th century of distinguishing between All Saints Day on November 1st and All Souls Day on November 2nd. And I find it to be a distinction without a lot of merit. Uh, it, It seems to me that saints are simply those who are being sanctified and are not limited to those who have been canonized. I've no objection with churches that serve to honor people through canonization, but I believe All Saints Day is is for everyone. It's a much more broad and inclusive idea because a saint is simply someone who is being sanctified or made holy or consecrated to God. And often that process of sanctification includes grief and includes loss. And I believe it includes at the very least all the baptized and more likely all whom God has made. We've just sung the wonderful hymn for all the saints to the fantastic tune Sine Nomine, which um, composed by Rayford Williams and which has, has supplanted all other tunes for this, for this wonderful hymn. The words are by the Victorian Bishop Walsham Howe, and he certainly didn't limit himself to a narrow understanding of sainthood, preferring to imagine that it's from Earth's wide bounds and from ocean's farthest coast, through gates of pearl, stream in the countless host, the countless host. Today, in the face of all the loss and the grief that this All Saints observance brings to the fore for so many of us, I find that our music and our scripture and our prayers that centre me, that recentre me in what really matters as I work through my own grief. I hope that's true for you too. You might have heard me say that my father's death there was nothing sad at all about my father's death. He was ready, he was at home, it was, it was painless. Um, and yet we're all sad and remain sad uh, for our loss. It's, it's grief for me comes in waves. It's, it's usually when it's inconvenient and certainly not on any timetable of my choosing. Today, I'm not so worried about important things like what happens, what is life after death or what is a scriptural vision of eternity, or, or what is the true interpretation or worthy interpretation of the Beatitudes. These are all important, but I'm more thinking about how I or any of us uh, navigate the reality of grief. You've heard of the work of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who as long ago as 1969 identified what she called stages of grief, but parts of the experience of grief, phases, they come and go, we move in and out of them. Um, 
at one point or another we're going to all we're all going to know a measure of denial about what has happened or a denial about our own feelings we're going to be angry angry at the unfairness of it all or angry even at the one we have lost who we loved because that one left us alone and 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 anger is going to be part of the package we will probably try a kind of bargaining a conversation in our head that will try and get us get around what we are feeling depression is likely to be part of things does anything really matter anymore when i'm feeling this way and then eventually and at some point for most of us the the normative experience will be acceptance acceptance that life as the prayer book put it is changed not ended changed not ended now we know all this and i for one still dislike having to work through it but i recently came across a suggestion that there is a sixth stage or phase or experience of grief. David Kessler, who worked a lot with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross at the end of her life, has published a book last year called uh, Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief, in which she reflects on the ways in which we find or create meaning and purpose out of this same experience of loss. I was thinking, as I read it about Tom Marmette, you may remember his story, we buried him about two years ago. Tom was a young man coming home from his volunteer job and was caught in the crossfire of a, of a gang fight, gunfire, in his car, went through him and killed him. And we buried him. His family are still sad, of course, still working through their grief. But in terms of meaning and purpose, they are devoted to working for sane gun laws at every level of our society thrown themselves into it, invited their friends to join. It's an extraordinary work of meaning-making, of purpose-finding out of this terrible, terrible sense of loss. Finding or making meaning in our radically altered lives is not the end of grief, but it's an important part of the process for all of us. It leads me to wonder what meaning we will make or find out of this pandemic. Uh, Theologians have already tried to begin addressing it, N.T. Wright and Walter Brueggemann have written books that, that avoid easy answers or simple solutions, you know, it's all God's fault or it's all going to be all right, instead pointing us to lament, to the psalmist's lament uh, of, of, of appealing to God about, about how dreadful things can be and how dreadful our circumstances, circumstances are. But they don't get to the meaning-making piece at least not very far. And, and I think that's work yet to be done and that we won't know what it looks like until we're sort of beginning to come out of the other side of whatever this, pande whatever this pandemic will uh, begin to be, be normalized. But I think when we get there, it's gonna have something to do with recognizing the great, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. It's the language of All Saints Day. And I think my intuition is that this great cloud of witnesses is going to be made incarnate, possibly through the medium of pre-recorded opportunities for worship and other kinds of long distance or virtual connection. A recent letter from friends in Atlanta included these words. We've become very fond of St. Albans and they go on to tell about their search for a church uh, near their new home and they write, but in the teeth of the pandemic is not time to be searching for a new church community. We tried visiting local churches online, but it just wasn't working. 
And one Sunday morning, feeling blue and frustrated, we tuned into St Albans. And then we did the same thing the next week, and the next week, and the week after that, and so on. Obviously, we did so at first to see a beloved friend and pastor, but we found ourselves touched by many other elements. The tie that St Albans has to the Spanish-speaking community was a surprise and a delight. You'll remember, perhaps, that Sean's daughter was married in Oaxaca to a, into a Mexican family, and they've raised their son in a bilingual environment. I have older ties to a Spanish-speaking community in the States. But we enjoyed getting to know, so we enjoyed getting to know your clergy. We love hearing the mix of names and the prayers of the people each week as well. We found ourselves relying on the service every week for the inspiration we received, for the quality of the preaching, for the on-tempo and beautiful music, for the thoughtful adjustments to traditional language and the responses and the prayers, the diversity of faces in the parish and intriguing images projected. We may never physically worship at St Albans, but for now, in this crazy time, we both feel it's where we should be. And it's with this history that leads us to pledge our support to St Albans. Isn't that lovely? The letter came with a very generous cheque and a pledge for 2021, for which we are most, most grateful. I believe the heart of what we do in the future will forever be gathered around the table, in person, around the table of the Lord. But I see no reason why we should not welcome a diaspora from all over to, to participate in worship and classes and maybe even leadership. And so back to today, back to the cloud of witnesses that we remember this day, back to the realities of life and death, of loss and grief, and of reasonable and holy hope. With each new experience in life, painful or not, we have a choice. We can choose alienation. We can allow loss and death to be the last word. We can allow ourselves to see only as far as a horizon marked by fear. Or we can choose life. We can choose to be drawn ever more deeply into trusting God for life. We can choose to be drawn ever more deeply into the reality of the love of God, the love that is the source of our being, the source of all life, and so go from strength to strength in, the, in God's service now and forever. Back to Walsham Howe. O blessed communion, we sing. Blessed communion, fellowship divine, we feebly, feebly struggle, why they the saints in glory shine. Yet all are one, all are one in thee, for all are thine. All are one in thee, for all are thine. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. I offer this in the name, for this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.